I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome in to another episode of the Shooters Touch Podcast. We appreciate you being here. We're so glad you're listening. Fall is upon us. Basketball is in the air. College is starting practice. The IBCA coaching clinic is right around the corner. And so that means for all you high school coaches, the first day of practice will be here before you know it. I hope you guys are all as excited as we are to take on another season. Hoop Troop met this week as well to start to prepare for that so be on the lookout as more information continues to come with the hoop troop and what we have coming this year is going to be a lot of fun but today we sit down and we chat with josh sash who's the assistant coach up at north dakota state and it was a lot of fun catching up with him he's got an interesting path he's bounced around through different levels and so to get his take on what he learned at each level and and how it differs uh, from a coaching and a playing standpoint was a lot of fun. Um, and what he learned along the way. This one, this one was fun. We reminisce a lot about Iowa and growing up, um, small town Iowa. And so that was fun as well. We even jump into uh, quite a bit of sneaker talk. So we hope you enjoy it. As always, shoot or shoot. Well, Coach Sash, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Coach, we're excited to get some time from you and, uh, and talk a little bit about your journey, and we'll get to each of the steps along the way and kind of what you've learned in the process, but uh, how are things at home? I know you have, you have three boys, and so they got to be keeping you, keeping you busy when you're not on the court. Yeah, you know, th- three boys, uh, 11, 7, and 5, they're all kind of at those ages where they uh, have their activities, and, you know, we just got done with soccer season last week, all three of them playing soccer. And, and uh, you know, this week we got, I think, four different nights of basketball practice. So here we go on, on to the next, right? Love that. So, so you're, in, uh, you're in hockey country up there. You got these kids, these Iowa boys interested in hockey at all yet, or what's the deal? No, we haven't. You know, um, it's kind of funny when, when the, the house that we actually moved into in Fargo, we, when we were moving up here, we kind of had a hard time finding – uh, a house uh, everything was like would go off the market in like a day and like we couldn't find anything and you know I happened to we had an early morning workout one morning like the first thing I was doing every every morning was like looking on like all the websites trying to see you know and this house had popped up and I sent it to my wife and she's like yeah I love it go go look at it today so I come look at it and uh, the, the people that lived here had three boys, uh, just, you know, we have three boys 
and start walking through the house um, and find out that the house backs up to a pond and find out that they're a hockey family. You know, they bought this place because of the pond and the, and the hockey uh, in the winter. It's, it's pretty cool. There's, uh, you know, out the back of our house, there's a pond and, and several of the houses around there's kids that, uh, you know, when the, when the snow and the, and the ice and stuff come and, you know, kids will be out there, you know, brooming off a, a, a yeah. I don't know, a rink yeah. and, uh, and playing hockey. So it's pretty cool. My, my boys have not gotten into it yet. Uh, but, uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge if we get there. Yeah, I say you never know. It might uh, might take off, but uh, yeah. they're gonna have to get going, aren't they? You're like supposed to be in skates by like four or something like that. Crazy. Yeah, then, then we're, we're we're done. We're, we're out <laughs> yeah, of it. All, I've all, heard it's an expensive it. sport with all I, the gear and stuff, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got a I got a couple of, uh, um, niece and nephews that play up in Wisconsin, and I, okay. they, they they can attest to that. Um, so one thing I do have to note, though, Adam and I kind of, and I think you will fall in this boat. Um, a little bit of retired sneakerheads um, because we're buying for the kids now. I don't, your kids are no shortage of of sneakers, though, from what I've seen on on the gram a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, I I kind of had a shoe problem, I guess, back uh, in high school. I started working at a shoe store probably my senior year of high school, and I don't think I made any money. I just like every time we got something new in, I'd be buying a uh, new pair of sneakers and and uh you know kind of always always been a jordan fan and so that's always kind of been been the deal and uh you know probably i think it was 2011 uh, my little brother was playing for the new york giants and he was given a nike account where you know he had a ridiculous allotment of money that uh you know they could new jordans would come out and he'd be like hey get on the get on the nike account and give me a pair and get you a pair too if you want so I kind of actually started a collection and and you know I'm old enough now I don't wear basketball shoes ever so I got a bunch of new Jordans sitting around in my basement so retirement fund or you know kids college (laughs) fund or something eventually I don't know that's I love that so uh, so obviously sneakerhead growing up and then I spent about oh nine months managing a footlocker and okay. that was same same boat. Like I, I was getting paid in sneakers. I was like, okay, I gotta get, <laughs> yeah. I gotta get out of here. Like I, this is never gonna get any better for me. But well, uh, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was fun uh, fun while we were there. That's for sure. But um, so any obviously you're up in Shields country too. I mean, do they are they just stealing all your money now, or what's the deal? And you guys play in the Shields Center? You got any hookups? Like what's going on? <laughs> no, you know I've really toned I've toned it down. You know, like you said with with kids and shoot my my kids i feel like i'm buying them a new pair of sneakers every three months because they're just growing so fast it's it's hard to keep up with so my uh my sneaker uh my sneaker wearing is is been scaled way back so that's it good does but it's, <laughs> it's also good though with the three boys so i similar situation with my kids too it's like i don't feel as bad buying the one for the oldest and then being like well your little brother's gonna get them then and you're gonna get yeah. it you know what i mean you just yeah. keep keep passing them down Wait, that's what we do we got uh like my my brother used to buy my oldest son like he'd show up at the house to you know come see us for the weekend and he'd have four new pairs of jordans in his size whatever size he was in then and so like <laughs> we had the basketball clinic camp a couple of weeks back and my wife brought the boys over and all of a sudden my one son shows up in 
a pair of Carolina blue Jordan 11s that I'd never seen. They were brand new. And I was like, where'd you get those? <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, they're in the box, you know? So we got all these that we just keep handing down. Just hand them down. Too many. That the the first two couldn't wear. So the third one's getting them now. Got lucky. That's right. I'm like, you better take care of those too. You got two more kids <laughs> that need to wear those. <laughs> yep. Don't be trashing those out. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Let's uh, let's talk a little hoops here. Obviously, that's why we brought you on, but we uh, we want to hear it all. And um, like I said, I, there's a, a, a special um, connection with Iowa and, and the way a lot of us grew up and which we want to get to. But uh, uh, let's take a look at last year, um, what you guys were able to do. Um, you know, you guys had a had a nice year. We were 23 and 10, I believe, is what we have down um, last year um take us through what what were some of the highlights some of the things that you were really impressed with with the squad and what you guys were able to do you know coming off of 15 and 12 uh year the the year prior um so made some good good leaps and strides and then ultimately what are you excited about for this year yeah you know I think um last year was there was a lot of buzz going into the year um we returned pretty much our whole team and you know and then we're able to add uh, a couple uh, pretty pretty good pieces. Uh, we felt really good about our squad going into the year, and um, you know we did have a good year. I think along the way there was some ups and downs, especially uh, you know through some injuries. Um, you know our starting point guard kind of just a freak injury ended up having like a stomach ulcer and missed you know probably the first third of the season. You know out uh, we had you know a, a, a four man and a five man that are both really talented. Uh, you know, kind of a fluke, you know, knee injury. The other kid, uh, five men had, uh, was playing and had mono and didn't know it and uh, took a blow and ruptured his spleen. So he was out for two months and just kind of, just kind of felt like, you know, one of those years with, you know, just some ups and downs uh, that way from, you know, from an injury standpoint. Um, and then, you know, the league was pretty good last year. Um, you know, South Dakota State was really, really good offensively. Uh, you know, offense just came really easy for them. They can they can really shoot the ball. Uh, they were really tough to guard. Um, you know, they had a kid Doug Wilson and, and another kid Baylor Shireman that you know were just difference makers, high level dudes uh, for them. And you know, we played them three times, and, and all three times it was you know, including championship game, is a one two possession game, and just could not quite get over the hump and, and finish and, uh, and, and beat them to try to get to the NCAA tournament again. But, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success. We've been in the NCAA tournament, uh, last four years, or sorry, we've been in the conference finals the last four years. Um, you know, the two years prior to me getting here, they won it. And then the last two years we've been in the finals and lost, you know, Oral Roberts that first year I was here and then South Dakota state last year. So, um, got a lot of, new faces, uh, this, this, uh, this year, um, you know, lost a lot, uh, have a couple returning front court guys back that I think, you know, should be two of the better front court guys in our league. Uh, but then after that, we're young, we have to have a lot of young, uh, guards and, you know, they're, they're talented. We like them. We're glad they're here. Uh, but you know, they, they don't have any, uh, any experience and, uh, you know, going through our league and, and playing at the division one level. A lot of these guys are young. Uh, there's a junior college transfers, a bunch of freshmen. So uh, we're going to, we're going to have to continue to see growth along the way, you know, early on. Uh, I think it'll be 
there'll be some learning uh, curve. And hopefully by the time we get to a league play, we can, you know, be in the mix and be where we need to be. And I know the, the league graduated and lost, uh, you know, a, a fair share of talent, but, uh, you know, going through and looking at things, I mean, it's still going to be tough. It's still going to be a battle for, for you guys and for everybody um, night in and night out throughout the league, um, which is great. I mean, obviously you, you want that and you want that for your guys to give you your best opportunity to come the end of the year. Um, but looking even at your non-con, I mean, you guys jumping right in, you are, you're at Arkansas and at Kansas, um, obviously going to Allen Fieldhouse is no joke, but last time you guys were there your first year, you, you played them tough. I mean, that was something that, uh, you know, I know that you guys even a little bit of a rough start your first year, um, and went to Allen Fieldhouse and played well. And so what are you, what are you looking forward to this year with the non-conference season? Yeah, you know, um, those first two games, uh, Arkansas and Kansas, I think both those teams will probably be in the top 10 preseason. Um, you know, Arkansas, I believe, has three McDonald's All-Americans. Kansas coming off a, you know, a national title. Um, be a, a really good experience for our guys right away. You throw them into, into the fire right away and, you know, get that experience, uh, you know, in tough, uh, high-level road environments, you know, right away. And, and uh, you know, I think it will be beneficial for us later on down down the road uh, as as we go. I think those are probably the two the two toughest ones of kind of getting those ones out of the way first, and then hopefully um, we can you know continue to grow and progress from from that point. Yeah, definitely. And kind of going through your your schedule, um, you know, then you uh, Pacific comes to your place. You go to Indiana State. Um, then you have Crown College before uh, going out to Albuquerque. It looks like for the the Lobo Classic. Um, that's it. That's an interesting going going to New Mexico for you guys' tournament. Uh, how did how did that kind of come about? You know anything behind that story? Yeah. So um, we we had one of our assistants left uh, here this spring, and so I uh, I've been several places as I'm sure you can see looking at my bio and done a lot of different things I've not done scheduling and so I was kind of handed scheduling and Ooh, told, nice. hey, we got to find an MTE and and uh you know we started looking um and that one kind of uh ended up just you know really making a lot of sense for us um we'll go down there and play uh New Mexico we'll play Northern Colorado and we'll play Jacksonville State kind of in a three three-day deal down there um and uh you know right after thanksgiving that friday saturday sunday so should be a pretty good event uh i've had a couple coaches on the road that i've run into lately just kind of talking about you know mountain west playing down there and didn't realize like the elevation down there and and <laughs> to take into account some of that stuff so figuring all that out but uh you know excited to get down there and uh, and play that tournament yeah that, that would make a little bit of a difference um kind of like coming to fargo and realizing how how dang cold it is up there too right <laughs> yeah no doubt good thing yeah there's, uh, there's a lot of people that come up here and think oh boy <laughs> good thing it's, yeah. it's different in, in inside sport that's why basketball is the best too right as long as you exactly. can get as long as you can get to the game you know what the weather's going to be like so no doubt. Uh, but uh, so before we get into a little bit of your your background and, you know, your childhood growing up um, and we want to get to the coaching journey, too. But I want to kind of start off the top. You've, you've been at a lot of levels um, and we'll get to those here as we continue to move through this. But uh, what would you say is the biggest difference 
between the different levels, between NAIA, community college, you know, division one, you've been at a couple of different levels of division one in your coaching career. What's your biggest takeaway um, as far as the difference as you go between those levels? Yeah, you know, I think when I first got into coaching, you know, I think I heard a coach say to me, you know, make make the big time where you're at. And I always thought that was kind of like, you know, that was, that was a cool way to look at it. Um, you know, when started my coaching career at William Penn, you know, and, and, you know, some of the rivalries that you play and, you know, what's the conference like and all those sorts of things. I think at every level, they're kind of, uh, they have their own unique, um, you know, stories and, and uh, you know, whatnot. So I think that's probably, um, you know, been the interesting thing as I've moved from, from different places, uh, you know, all different levels. There's uh, different resources, different uh, places I've been. There's different expectations. I've been at some places where uh, we didn't win a lot of games or they didn't win a lot of games before I got there. And, and uh, you know, and, and so there wasn't much of an expectation. I've been at places where they've won a whole lot of games before I got there. And, and so there was a big expectation. And so I think Every every job is uh, is unique, um, but I really look back on the path that I've had at different levels. I've I've been able to you know learn a lot and do a lot of different things and see a lot of different things and meet a lot of different people. I just have a lot of experiences that I think you know just by um, you know me moving around and and uh, you know working at different levels. I think it gives me a lot of uh, it gives me. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It gives me just a unique um, advantage, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you get that experience, you learn from different people, you learn different philosophies, you see different things. Like you said, being able to, you know, not take for granted a resource that you have that you didn't have at one of your stops, um, you know, that that's huge. And, you know, that'll be something that obviously we want to dive into a little bit more as we get further along. But what, what about from a what about from a player, from a talent standpoint for for young players that are um, listening to the podcast and trying to figure out, you know, maybe where they fall at? Um, obviously there's athletic ability that has a big part to do with as you move through levels, but is there something that, uh, those guys at the top level at that D one level that are, are, are doing a little bit better or a little bit longer, a little bit more consistent? I would say first and foremost, there's really good players at every level. And, you know, whether that's NAI, whether that's division one, junior college, division two, uh, you know, high major, I worked in the Big East for a year as, you know, video coordinator at Providence. And it was probably the best year ever of the Big East. I think at one point there's like nine or 10 teams in the top 25. Uh, there's there's just really good players everywhere. Um, you know, I think some of the things that separate the guys at the highest level is, um, you know, the size, the speed, the athleticism. Um, but then also just the consistency of, uh, their approach to, um, you know, consistently trying to get better every day, working on their game. Um, you see that at every level too. I've seen that, you know, everywhere I've been, but, you know, I think there's, that's kind of maybe what separates, you know, guys that are at the, at the highest level They're they love the game, they work on it, they can think the game. Uh, and then on top of that, they've, they've have some God given abilities that, uh, you know, maybe guys like myself, 
I love the game. I felt like I worked hard at the game, but I was, you know, 5'11 and, and a shooting guard and <laughs> I didn't really have a future in basketball. And so, um, you know, I, I think you got to have uh, you got to have some God given abilities as well. You know, coach, sounds to me like you just had a different, a different path in basketball <laughs> as compared to those guys. But um, yeah. hey, talking from the, uh, you know, from the athlete perspective, you know, a lot of our listeners are coaches too. Um, one question I had for you is with these games against Arkansas and KU coming up, um, obviously they're a ways away and, you know, you can't predict what you're going to say, but what's the message to your team who, as you mentioned, is a little bit younger um, going into a potential top 10 um, um Arkansas team playing Arkansas team and then going into fog Allen, um, you know, the very next game, what is that? What do you think that message is going to look like? Or we, you know, just off the top, what do you think uh, that message will be? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the message will be, Hey, we're, we're going to these places to try to win the game. Um, and I think it's for us, it's about a process that we try to hit every day to uh, you know, hit a process of, you know, trying to get better and build every single day. I think, you know, having an understanding of uh, who we are and who we want to be in March uh, when, when you know, let's face it, in, in our league, one team, uh, the team that wins our league tournament is going to go to the NCAA tournament. And that's kind of, uh, it's kind of the long-term goal, I think, for us of, you know, where, uh, where we want to be at the end of the year. And I think that's, you know, kind of how we always uh, take that focus every day to try to hit the process, knowing the intern, intern goal. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, uh, when I was playing, um, you know, I would always try to, uh, you know, walking out, of, I would, I would, um, always try to soak up the environment, soak up where we're playing stuff like that, the cool spots. So I honestly can't even imagine what it would feel like to walk out of that tunnel in fog Allen, but, uh, there'll be either way, win or lose, play good, play bad. There'll be a cool experience for those kids. Um, and, the, and, and, and the coaching staff more than likely, I would guess. Yeah, no question. That's, uh, it's one of those bucket list ones, I think, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for, for those guys, like you said, man, it's, it's a heck of an experience. Um, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, we played there two years ago and, and uh, it was during COVID. And so there's only like 200 fans there. So we've Be some of us have been there, but it's not, wasn't the same, you know, type of deal. And so yeah. uh, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be uh, it'll it'll be a lot of fun to to get uh, that experience. That's great. That's great. Well, well, we'll for sure be watching. I'm excited for that one um, and and the rest of the season as well. But uh, let's let's go back uh, way back. Uh, grew up in Oskaloosa. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about growing up there and um, you know just uh, overall. You know what what role athletics played um, in your childhood. Yeah, uh, grew up in Oskaloosa. Um, you know, my dad and mom, uh, my dad's from Iowa, my mom's from New Jersey, and they both ended up going to William Penn and met and stayed in Oskaloosa. And, uh, you know, my dad was a coach. And so I was around, uh, you know, track, football, basketball, a lot of sports uh, at a pretty young age, you know, growing up, uh, my sister, my brother, you know, we were always playing uh, you know, basketball, football, volleyball, track, baseball, all, all the sports we were, you know, playing. And so, um, honestly, you know, I, I fell in love with basketball probably from the start was, was always my love. I ended up being a better football player than I was basketball player. Uh, but I just, you know, I always, always loved basketball. And, you know, I thought there was a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of unique 
um, experiences that you can take from sports. And, you know, I wouldn't trade, you know, kind of the upbringing that I had as, you know, in an athletic family and, you know, going through all those different things. I wouldn't trade that for anything. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, was your dad a coach of, of a multiple sports then I'm assuming? Yeah, he coached, uh, he coached track, he coached football, he coached a little bit of basketball, he coached a little bit of cross country, he did he's a PE teacher. Nice. So he, he did a lot of different things. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to, to be around that. So how Serial does, coach. how does someone from New Jersey find William Penn? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like you said that, I was like, okay, like how most that's a really good recruiting job right there. If she yeah, played somebody in. did a heck of a job. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Oskaloosa. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's good. So um as you kind of mentioned, played 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 a lot of sports. What um if we're you know kind of taking that and you know maybe maybe viewing it as a as a coach right now? Um yep. How important is that to you as a coach to recruit kids that, you know, you know, maybe obviously specialize in basketball, there's, there's something to be said about that, but, you know, is it important to you and your, and, and the staff to recruit kids that are multi-sport athletes? You know, that's not something we talk about, but I do think, um, you know, I think it's good for kids to be able to have opportunities to play multiple sports, um, you know, I think sometimes kids that uh, maybe specialize in one sport, especially you know, really early, um, just maybe miss out on some experiences uh, that way. And, you know, I know for, for instance, I know for like my brother played several sports and was recruited to play football at University of Iowa, you know, and that was something I think in their recruiting process, they tried to identify guys that, uh, that played multiple sports. And so, you know, I think no doubt there's, there's benefit to, uh, to that. It's not something that we, uh, specifically look at but uh yep. you know from you know from my standpoint i think there's uh there's a lot of benefit to it yeah now tyler tyler could hoop right i mean i've heard stories about him showing up at william penn and just bombing <laughs> on people yeah. <laughs> yeah you know like so tyler and i used to go over to william penn in the summers and i'm telling you like the dude was like in sixth grade and he's playing with like college guys and like he's hitting <laughs> shots from everywhere he's throwing behind the back passes you know he was he was a special talent and, you know, he had some division one offers to play basketball. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, playing football at university of Iowa was something he didn't feel like he could pass up. So, right. but his, his first love, I think was basketball as well. So. I, like I said, I've heard that. I've heard uh, those stories of him showing up as a little kid playing at uh, William Penn and just getting <laughs> better and then getting stronger. So as then his range got a little deeper um, yeah. and then he showed up really strong and they're like, Oh, he's going to play football. <laughs> like, you know, it was like one of those deals where like, yeah, now look at him. And yeah, he got, he got pretty strong pretty quickly, but shoot, yeah. I, I, I can remember watching him play a couple games in high school. I think he had 12 threes in a game, one game, he had 51 points in a game, another game. Like he just, he was the ultimate competitor. I, I've kids a football player. I've heard uh, I've heard uh, the likes of like a, a Chris Kingsbury and like the extreme <laughs> upper body strength that can bomb from anywhere, you know, type yep. of deal. So well, a little more athletic, maybe a little more, uh, a little yep. more toughness than that. But uh, and obviously showed that on the football field too. our listeners would definitely know and remember um, the plays in which that he made. And um, all Hawk fans are appreciative of, of, of what he was able yeah. to provide in the black and gold. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
a lot of great memories for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, going back to childhood here, you mentioned that, you know, basketball is your first love, but maybe, um, you know, we're, we're a better football player. Um, how did those two, you know, kind of play together? You know, were you, um, you know, was there AAU around at that time for you? Um, were you doing a lot of football camps as well? Um, or what did that look like? We did a lot of, um, it was a lot of more high school team stuff back then. Um, I didn't play, I didn't play like they didn't have like shoe circuit like AAU stuff like now um I think there was maybe one or two like pretty high level um you know AAU teams back then so it was a lot of like summer camps with your with your with your high school team and you know I remember doing a lot of those um but then you know kind of consistently lift lifting weights throughout the summer really prepping for for football you know and kind of like you said, you know, adding, adding some weight for football. And then all of a sudden by the end of football season, you're trying to, you know, lose a little bit of weight and for basketball and, you know, definitely two different sports from, from that conditioning standpoint. But um, yeah. What, what yeah. position did you play in football? I played running back and I played linebacker. Gotcha. Nice. You know. um, yeah. You mentioned the AAU circuit, you know, when you were in high school growing up, uh, I talked or I, we, we talk about it all the time on the podcast that uh, me trying out for AAU in high school, there was one team and it was Martin brothers. And if you didn't make yep. that team, you're not playing AAU. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we had a, had a group of guys and our dads were just like, Hey, you want to just start this AAU team? So we did. Yep. And uh, just a, a rankety team. I mean, our first game, we, we had black East Bay jerseys with like athletic tape for numbers, <laughs> like just all that stuff you look back on, it's like, well, how do we ever think that would be a good idea? But, uh, <laughs> it was yeah. cool and it was fun. And, you know, you were playing hoops, so, so it didn't really matter sure. too much. For sure. And that's, um, we kind of did the same thing. But like you said, it was more just the dads and getting, you yeah. know, our high school teams together and playing like smaller tournaments, but nothing like the, the big shoe circuit stuff that there is now. Absolutely nothing like it. How big was it though for you guys to be able to go to, to William Penn? I we I always talk about this with people who grew up in college towns. Like there's always a game. Like you can always go and obviously ideally against the players, but you could probably catch a, you know, an intramural type game. I mean, there's always a game going on. I, I feel like as a high school kid trying to get better, like that's gotta be an advantage. Oh yeah, for sure. There was there was always uh I probably got thrown out of William Penn uh gym a lot. I'd sneak up into their upper gym. Because it, like I felt like nobody was ever up there, and so I'd be up there shooting, and all of a sudden somebody, some janitor, or somebody would come in and be like, "Hey, you don't, you, you're not from here. You need to get out." You know, they had, there was an outdoor court right next there, to there as well. But um, you know, yeah, definitely an advantage. Uh, I would always just kind of hang around the gym uh, when I was younger, and you know, hope that at the end they had only had nine guys and they needed one extra guy, and all of a sudden here I am out there playing, and so that's kind of. That's kind of just how it was back then. Yeah, I think there's definitely an advantage to that. Uh, you know, kind of, well, me me for sure growing up in Ackley, Iowa, there was, uh, you, you kind of had to find the game. You, yep. you had, to make, had, to, had to make a game as opposed to finding it. But, um, yep. well, cool. So, uh, I guess going through high school, uh, you know, on the freshman, sophomore year level, um, you know, was that varsity for you? Were you playing JV? What did, what did that look like? So we had our freshman team stayed together as freshmen. Our sophomore team stayed together as sophomores. Uh, I think we had maybe one kid that moved up off the sophomore team for part of the varsity. Uh, and then as a junior and senior, played varsity. 
So awesome. Um, I was a very uh, average high school basketball player. So, uh, had a, had an average career and, but had fun and had a good group of guys that I played with and, and, uh, you know, wish, wish we would have been a little bit better, but it was fun. Well, you know, we, we actually talk about this all the time too, that, you know, you can, you can play college ball, you can play professional ball, but there's just something out of the ordinary about playing with those, those, those guys you grew up with. Um, yeah. And it sounds like for you, you know, playing with them all freshman year, playing with them all sophomore year, and then, you know, all of you moving up to varsity um, junior year. So that's, that's a cool story. That That's very cool. Um, yeah. I, I had a good group of, uh, of, in my class of guys that just like we played, there was a local YMCA and like any weekend, you know, a lot of evenings you would find 10, 12, 15 of us up there, you know, getting runs in at the YMCA. And that's just what we did. You know, we'd be up there for hours. So that was, that was kind of the, you know, what I remember of my, of my childhood of, of playing basketball. That's awesome. Yep. That's like I said, definitely something different about that, but um, the kids, I feel like kids don't do that anymore. Do they, they just go and play at the Y. I mean, everything's structured. Like there's no pickup to organize it. And uh, it's different. Yeah. You can't just be like, all right, the best two (laughs) players, you go there. I'm going to go here. Like let's sort this out. Let's have some fun. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that they could do that. Like it would be interesting to watch even like, you know, like some uh, some sophomores, like they sh- should be able to put this together. But I don't know because they've never done it. It's everything's yeah. so structured now. So structured. I, I agree, hundred percent. Oh, lose something there. Um, so I'm assuming it was pretty early on. But when did uh when did the coaching bug hit you? When was it? Hey, this coaching thing might have some legs here. Um, or that's might what be might be what um, I want to pursue. You know, I actually kind of took a roundabout path to get into coaching. Um, when I, you know, got to be a senior, I had a pretty good senior year of, uh, of high school football, and I had some Division two and Division three, you know, recruitment. Um, wasn't quite sure I wanted to do that. Thought I might just go to University of Iowa to be a student. And then kind of at the last second, I went to Indian Hills Junior College and got a two-year computer programming degree. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, my, my dad had been a PE teacher and um, I wouldn't say we were poor by any means, but like my mom was a stay at home mom. And, and I thought, you know what, I want to do something where maybe I can make a little bit of money. And at the time the, the computer programming field was a pretty hot field. And, you know, I graduated from there at 21 years old and I started working uh, in the corporate world in Des Moines and I hated it. <laughs> and I did it for, you know, about a year, year and a half. And, and you know had some conversations and with my parents and they said you know like if if you're going to go back to school and you want to do something something different you know now's the time while you're young and and it's probably the best thing that I did um you know my high school assistant coach was John Henry at William Penn and so when I'm when I moved back to Oskaloosa uh and decided I was going to go to William Penn um you know it kind of just happened where you know, my brother and I in the summer were over at William Penn playing some of the, you know, runs with, with their guys. And, and, uh, you know, coach Henry's like, why don't, why don't you get into coaching? What, you know, that's what you've always been around. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of always had that in the back of my mind. I, you know, we'd thrown together some teams with my brother and kind of went around to some tournaments in Kansas city and Des Moines and places like that where, you know, I, I knew, you know, coaching was something that I enjoyed doing. 
but I never really thought about like doing it for, you know, for like my livelihood. And, and so, uh, you know, it just kind of happened. I went back to school at Wayne Penn and coach Henry gave me an opportunity there to be an assistant with the varsity team and, you know, to be a head coach on the JV team. And, uh, you know, I was a full-time student taking, you know, probably 18 hours. I was at two and a half hours of varsity practice two two and a half hours of JV practice every night, you know, but, uh, man, I just, I fell in love with it and I learned a lot and, and I thought, man, this is, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. And so then how many years were you at William? Three, four. So I actually started, I started coaching. I was, I was in school for like three and a half years by the time I went through and did my student teaching. Cause I got the K-12 PE yep. uh, teaching degree coaching and but I was with the basketball team for, for four years, for four seasons. And so uh, Coach Henry had taken over uh, in the interim, and they were 2-30. and 30. And we went from 2-30 and 30 to pretty much like the championship game every year I was there. And then finally the last year we won, uh, we won the conference championship game, or game to go to the national tournament. So it was kind of the breakthrough for him. And then – Ever since then, you can see the success that they've had. He's he's a heck of a basketball coach, and and uh, I owe him a lot for for him helping me get started in my coaching career. Yeah, they uh, have definitely kind of uh, hockey sticked, if you will, from from where it was when Henry Coach Henry took over to where it is now. I mean, just the success, uh, you know, is, has been has been all huge, but awesome to watch as well. Um, so then, uh, if I'm looking at this timeline. Right. It looks like 0708. Then you had an opportunity to come north a little bit to Drake. Uh, how did how did that opportunity come about uh, to be able to be a grad assistant um, with Drake? Yeah, so I guess back then, one of the one of the big things was always summer camps. And so when I was at William Penn in the summers, I would try to I would try, you know, like in the spring to email and call like any coach, division one, division two, like just camps around Iowa or Kansas or, you know, wherever that, hey, you know, do you have any openings for camp workers? And I would sit down with a calendar and kind of map out my summer and I'd have, you know, this summer I'm going to work Iowa camp, this summer I'm working UNI camp, this summer I'm working Kansas camp and just had it all mapped out where, you know, all of a sudden I'm I'm out, I'm working camps, I'm, I'm meeting other coaches, I'm learning, you know, different things and, you know, building some of those relationships. And, and I worked at a couple of Drake camps and, you know, they had an opportunity where I had conversation with one of their assistant coaches about, uh, about coming on as a graduate assistant and, and uh, worked out. We ended up having a heck of a year and getting to go to the NCAA tournament that first year I was there with Keno Davis and, and uh, kind of, was a springboard, I think, for for me and my coaching career. I was gonna say the timing of that probably couldn't be any better um, from a from a Drake basketball standpoint. Like you said, obviously the run in the season uh, that they went on, and because that was oh seven oh eight year um, with the with those guys, obviously it had to be um, a really neat opportunity for you to learn how you know, one, a different coach does things, but two, a different level. And then to just get caught up in that whirlwind of being able to win a lot of games and find yourself in the NCAA tournament had to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was, it, like you said, it was very different, you know, working for coach Henry, um, 
you know, we all we did was work on defense. And I think that's that's changed for him over uh, the course of his career. But, you know, we we were it was all about, you know, garden people and toughness and rebounding and those sorts of things. And and then I went to Drake and it was uh, it was offense. It was, you know, guys that can make shots. And, you know, we would we would practice for 45 minutes. I remember some days that year and half the practice was shooting and half the practice was play review and we didn't work on any defense. And I was just like, <laughs> wow, this is way different, you know? Uh, and, and I think that's when I start to figure out that, Hey, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different styles that coaches use to, you know, to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And so then that year obviously goes really well. Kino gets the job at Providence. Um, so I guess two, two points uh, here as we move to the next step, uh, you, you talked about it earlier, but young coaches listening, um, work, go work those camps. I, I, the number of guests and the people that we've talked to that I bet their first like one or two, however it worked, jobs at the college level were because they were going and working summer camps and doing those camps. I mean, those things are invaluable uh, from, yeah. a, from a networking and just a work ethic. And I mean, that, that's your interview right there. And so take those things serious. Um, obviously yeah. make, make connections. That's what this business is. And, um, you proved something in one year that Kino wanted to take you with out to Providence. And so what was, what was that transition like, uh, going from Des Moines and Iowa and an area that, you know, and felt comfortable to, uh, heading out to the big East. Yeah. You know, I, I had lived my entire life in Iowa up to that point, you know, most of the years in, in Oskaloosa and then that year in Des Moines, um, you know, the, the season ended. Uh, we had a great season. Kino takes the Providence job and right away uh, he didn't have a spot open for me to join the staff. Um, so I was on, you know, staff with the new staff that came in. The head coach was Mark Phelps. Uh, you know, at the time I became good friends with one of the assistants, our recruiting coordinator, then his name was Kareem Richardson, who I later then worked for, uh, who's the head coach at UMKC. And so you know, got to got to experience another head coach there for about you know three or four months. Uh, you know, working for Mark Phelps, uh, getting to know Kareem and, and the rest of the staff, um, and then literally right. I think it was like the first week of practice was about to start at Drake, and Kino has this uh, video coordinator job that he gets approved that he's going to hire somebody, and had a couple conversations with him and we had our first practice at Drake <laughs> and literally the next day I was, you know, in Mark Phelps's office telling him I was going to go to Providence and <laughs> here I am hopping in my Jeep and driving, you know, 20 plus hours out to Providence with everything I could fit in my Jeep and, you know, stayed in the, stayed in the basement of one of the assistant coaches houses on a mattress and, you know, but shoot, I was, I thought I, it, I had hit the big time, you know, Providence, big East. It was, it was an awesome experience. Uh, the the East Coast was completely different than the Midwest. Uh, just the the pace of everything, the the people, um, the drivers out there are terrible. Uh, everything about it was just so much different, and it was it was a it was a really cool experience. Um, you know, I I can remember sitting on the bench, looking down at the opposing team's bench, and seeing, you know, uh, you had Jim Beheim. You had Jim Calhoun, you had, uh, you know, Buzz Williams, you had all these great coaches that I'd watched on TV forever, you know, growing up, 
Uh, and it was just like, it was crazy. You know, we got to play in the Big East tournament and we played Louisville, you know, and here's Rick Patino down here, you know. And so that's just, that's something that I, I always uh, really enjoyed that experience uh, out of Providence and, and that time getting to work in the Big East. Well, and, and those venues too, obviously MSG, as you talked about the big, big East tournament, um, you know, but then going, going to Syracuse and going to Villanova and going to all these venues, like you said, that, uh, you watch growing up. I mean, when you're there, you're in game mode and you're in coach mode, but when you get to kind of take a breath and step back, I mean, we're all fans, you know, we are oh, all yeah. fans of the sports. <laughs> and so it's like, man, that was, that had to have been a cool experience to be able to be in some of those, some of those arenas. Yeah, very, very cool experience. I have a lot of really good memories from that time. And so then uh, then transition to uh, Temple, right? Temple uh, Junior College. And if our research department tells me correctly, this is in Temple, Texas, right? How does how in the world yeah. do you go from <laughs> just hanging out with uh, Jay Wright and Jim Calhoun <laughs> to uh, Temple, Texas? Yeah, you know, I, I knew, like I told you earlier, like I kind of had a roundabout path to get into coaching and the roles that I was in as a grad assistant and then as a video coordinator, a lot of those, you know, roles are, you know, more administrative type duties, film work, you know, um, you know, different things behind the scenes that make a program go. And I really wanted to, I wanted to get on the floor and coach and I wanted to recruit. And, you know, so, uh, getting into junior college just was kind of seemed like a, a kind of a natural thing of, Hey, this is where you can, you can get to this level and you can do those things. Uh, and, and I really didn't know. Um, I grew up in Oskaloosa, like we talked about Indian Hills was, you know, 20, 30 minutes up the road. And so when I was in high school, Indian Hills was on this like 87 game winning streak that they won three straight national titles and so that was like what I knew about junior college basketball that was pretty much the extent of it and so you know I go down to to Temple Texas um take the job down there my wife and I uh just got married so we go down there we had to live uh in one of the apartments on campus and so like if if any of the students that were there like could got locked out of their apartment or had an issue with their apartment, they're calling me, you know, so I'm doing that. And I had a full-time substitute teaching job in the special ed room at the high school there. That was basically how I, I lived for free and I made a little bit of money doing that so that I could get on the floor and coach basketball and try to recruit. And so I ended up being there for one year. Um, and as far as like junior colleges go, uh, a lot of different situations in junior college, you know, from a scholarship standpoint, a resource standpoint, it's not an even playing field across the board in junior college. And so I would say that at that time, that was kind of a difficult situation. Um, and so when I had an opportunity to go to, uh, to State Fair, get back in the Midwest up in, you know, Sedalia, Missouri, um, you know, better situation from a scholarship standpoint, those sorts of things. Uh, you know, that was kind of the next step uh, for me. If you can recruit at the junior college level and get these guys to come to some of these absurd places <laughs> for a year, for whatever it is, then you can recruit at any level. That uh, that has, I feel like, constantly been pro proven on our podcast too, is from some of the best recruiters have, have made their way 
um, through that just because, you know, you get, you got to find the kids, you got to get them there, you got to keep them there or, you know, get the best out of them in a short amount of time. I mean, it is recruiting at its finest. Um, and I, so I'm glad you brought up the part about your wife. So how long, I mean, she, she signed up for a doozy of, of a trip here. And so did, did you guys meet, um, where at in the process? Or did she go with you out to Providence or where did that come about? Yeah, we, we met, uh, she played soccer at William Penn. And so, uh, we met there at William Penn. Um, and you know, when, when I was at Drake, she lived in Des Moines, she got a job at principal financial there and had a pretty good job. And, you know, literally I say, Hey, uh, I got this job offer in Providence. And so she stayed in Des Moines, uh, continued to work her job there. Uh, and then, you know, we ended up getting married that spring after my year at Providence. And then we moved to Texas together. So, um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's an important thing for coaches, uh, you know, to have a, a wife, uh, that I would, you know, term the phrase a coach's wife that, you know, understands and gets it. And that was probably the best thing. Uh, I think for me is, is my wife's a rock star. She's great. Uh, like we talked about earlier, I have three boys and I'm, my schedule is all over the place, you know, so a lot of times she's, uh, you know, she's, she works her own job, which uh, she does pretty well for herself, but she's also a full-time mom and, and a taxi and, you know, a, a, a soccer mom and all those sorts of things. And so, uh, but I think from when I met her, like I told you earlier, I was coaching assistant on the varsity team. I was coaching the JV team. I was in 18 hours. And so from day one, she kind of knew, you know, what yeah. she was getting into. And, and I think, uh, you know, I hear guys, you know, talk all the time about, you know, coaches' wives or non-coaches' wives, you know, that, you know, just don't quite understand the profession. And I think that was probably a really big thing just, you know, for me to, to have uh, my wife just be so supportive of, of, you know, understanding the business and supporting me you know, through some of those years, like we talked about that, you know, you're not making very much money at all. And, and, uh, living you know, in the dorms and just, yeah, exactly. It just, so, it takes uh, a special one. <laughs> it does. I've got me thinking we need to get a few of these wives on the podcast, get their side <laughs> of the story. Cause we got, yeah, there uh, you go. <laughs> we got a, we got a few more stops here coach before we even find our way to Fargo. So as you yeah. said, S state fair community college, there's the name, uh, that might be a podcast in its own, uh, <laughs> to talk about how school becomes the state fair community college. Uh, but it looks well, like you spent what, four, uh, five seasons, maybe is it, was it five, five yeah, years, there? five, five years there. Um, five years there. Um, really feel like in those five years, I really started to like learn um, the recruiting, learn how to coach basketball, learn how to develop players, learn the ins and outs of, of you know, how a program operates. Um, the junior college level is so unique. And, and for me, I think, you know, that third year there, I had a friend that I worked basketball camp at the University of Iowa and I became friends with a guy named Paul Weir who I think he was the director of basketball operations at Iowa at the time or something like that uh and he was a he's a Canadian guy and he called me about a, a point guard at at uh the, a Canadian kid kid happened to be playing that July still looking for a spot he was playing in Indianapolis so my boss and I drive to Indianapolis and 
know, we watch this kid play and he's pretty good. He's a point guard. We need a point guard. And we end up signing the kid. And, um, you know, going back to that working camps, like Paul pretty much helped us get this kid. And literally the kid, um, second game of the year, we play Indian Hills at home. Our best returning player was average like 17 a game the year before doesn't play. And this kid goes for like 32 on Indian Hills. They're number one in the country at the time. We lose by two. And I knew he was going to be good, but that was just kind of like the precursor of like him being really good. And he ended up being, um, you know, sophomore year, all American. He was pretty highly recruited. Uh, I think the first like high major school that came in the gym was Louisville came in to watch him. And then after that, it was one high major after the next coming through to, to see him. And just kind of going back, like for me, I was, I was learning how to recruit. I was making connections with high school coaches in St. Louis and Kansas city and AAU coaches. But now we actually had some pretty good players at state fair. So now we had these division one coaches coming in to recruit our guys. And I felt like every year uh, of those, you know, probably final three to five years that I was at state fair, the network of people that I had knew that I knew and that I met just kind of continued to double. And, you know, really, as, as you know, in this business, uh, a network of people and knowing a lot of people, it's how you, it's how you find out about jobs. It's how you find out about players. And, and so that's kind of been, um, you know, probably one of the biggest benefits for me, I think, for working in junior college. The, the coaching circle is very small. Uh, that is for sure. And so you, like you said, you kind of network and you, you find out about things long before any resumes or board coaching career boards or job boards or anything's posted that you got, if you, if you see it on the job board, it's too late. Somebody else has already, <laughs> got an, already has an in on it. Um, so being at the junior college level, starting to have some, have some good guys and some coaches calling you, um we talked a little bit about this off air but are you overselling your guys are you shooting them straight are you trying to reciprocate or what's the what's the deal when uh these guys come knocking for uh for your recommendation you know i always i always told i always told our guys like hey i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm telling like i'm putting my reputation out there i'm telling these these coaches the truth because at the end of the day uh if i lie and they recruit you and you go there and i'm not uh, who or you're not who I said you were, then it's not going to be good for them and it's not going to be good for you and it's not going to be good for me, you know? And so I felt like the the thing I always tried to do was give my my best, honest, uh, most honest evaluation. I think at the end of the day, it probably helped me a lot in the long run just because I think pe people appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then let's call it a coming home type of situation, but find yourself at Indian Hills. How did, uh, how did that opportunity come about? Yeah. So the head coach at Indian Hills, uh, Hank Polona is his name. Uh, he was a grad assistant at Providence when I was a video coordinator and we actually shared an office, uh, became good friends. And, uh, when he got the head job at Indian Hills, he called me and it was a, it was a no brainer opportunity for me to go back there close to home. And, you know, one of the premier junior colleges in the country and, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was something I couldn't uh, couldn't turn down. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to uh, come back to the great state of Iowa, but must not have loved it enough because then you headed south uh, about <laughs> about two hours, 
to uh, UMKC. Uh, and so, so tell us a little bit about that stop. I know you spent two seasons down in Kansas City. Um, what what was that like, and what did what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, you know, when I got into coaching, kind of the goal I think for me always was to be able to be a Division One assistant. And um, you know, like I said earlier, I spent some time working with Kareem at Drake, and I always really. Uh, I really liked Kareem. We had a really good relationship. And, and uh, you know, when I had the opportunity to work for him, um, that was something I was really excited about. You know, Kareem, the thing I think I learned from that is just Kareem's, like, work ethic um, and his basketball mind. He's probably the best basketball mind, I think, that I've worked for in coaching. Like, the dude sees everything. Um, he can, you know, see – 10 guys on the floor as a play happens live, he can see an action. He can see, he just sees everything. He doesn't miss it. And he's, he's, he's just such a sharp basketball mind. I learned a lot about coaching basketball and I feel like I learned a lot about player development uh, working for him. Um, you know, he worked with, uh, he worked with bigs when he was at uh, Xavier in Louisville. And when I got there, I took over working for, with the bigs and he just had a lot of really good stuff that I, you know, picked up from him that I learned that I think has helped me, you know, further, you know, down the line here. Um, you know, I'm at NDSU. I'm now working with our bigs. You wouldn't think it, you know, I walk out on the floor, I'm five eleven and a half, and, you know, these big dudes out here, but, um, you know, I, I really enjoy working with the bigs. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, just going back to <laughs> – pulling nuggets from each of the staffs and each of the coaches in which that you've had an opportunity, like someone might look at your, your list of stops and be like, Oh man, like that makes my head hurt. Just thinking about like all that moving and going all around. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but think about all the things that I've learned from these different staffs and these different stops who teach this game completely different. And now I have that, I have pieces of this and I have pieces of that. And so then the next opportunity comes and it's an opportunity to be a, to be a head coach uh, at DMAC. And so be honest, was that something that you, you wanted to scratch the head coaching itch or was it something where they were telling you, Hey, you know, these D one coaches, they really like it when you have some head coaching experience. Um, and, and then ultimately what, uh, how did that lead you to the opportunity at DMAC? You know, I'd always wanted to be a head coach. Um, you know, unfortunately, we were we had a new AD at UMKC and we got let go at the end of my second year there. And so I did not have a job. Um, and when the opportunity came, you know, presented itself at DMAC to, you know, be a head coach at a place like DMAC that I had always, you know, growing up in Iowa, I knew, you know, about DMAC. And uh, that was something I was I was really excited for. That was something that I didn't have on my resume, like you said, being a head coach and, um, you know, I think until you sit in that chair, uh, as an assistant, you have a lot of ideas, but then when you're a head coach and you have to make decisions and, and, you know, you make all the decisions, it's, uh, it's a different deal. And I think, you know, that, that experience, even though it was only one year for me, I wish it was a couple more years. Um, but you know, the opportunity came open at NDSU and it was one I couldn't turn down, even though I, I wished I would have had more time as a head coach. I think just that one year alone benefited me a lot um, because I see I see a lot of the decisions now and the things that uh, that my boss 
has to make decisions on. I just see it differently, I think, than, than maybe guys that haven't sat in that seat before. Yeah, and it does. I mean, again, adding to your experience and your opportunity, um, you know, you, you see things or you appreciate things a little bit differently when you've been in that first chair and had to make those decisions. And so um, you kind of understand things a little bit different. And so then that was that was it was your year DMAC COVID year where you guys cut short or what remind me yeah. as far as timeline on that. So what a year. Hey, head coach. We went 29 and four. We ended up uh, the two seed and we're about to go to the national tournament and it was awesome. Like we just won our region tournament and literally, you know, just like the rest of the world that I think it was like a Wednesday night. I was at the state tournament watching the high school game and um, which NBA player was it? It was somebody from Oklahoma city thunder or something all of a sudden COVID and, yep. and it yep. just went crazy and everything started the NCAA, you know, the conference tournaments started all shutting down they shut our tournament down and, and that was it. We never got to play. It was kind of a, unfinished business type of just a weird weird feeling God, just a just a weird way to obviously end any season um yeah so i just pulled it up looks like you guys went yeah 29 and 4 um was it essex college that you were supposed to play um oh. yeah in that uh in that tournament and yeah i got canceled and so but then and then it also has to feel a little bit of like unfinished business Obviously, it's a, a business move for you, but leaving DMAC um, under those circumstances, you got to go what makes sense for your career and your family um, as well. But uh, had to be a little bit of like a wow type of type of feeling going being <laughs> yeah, like, was, I just didn't get to finish the job here yet. Yeah, you know, you you just wonder what it's like as a head coach and then you get a chance to kind of sit in that seat and you, you have you know, you get to put all these thoughts together that you've learned along the way now kind of into your own program. And then, you know, things work, things don't work, but you get to the end of the year and then it just ends that way. Usually there's closure, you know, you sit in that, that locker room for the last time and, and there's closure. And, you know, after we found out the tournament was canceled, like guys went home for spring break, but, you know, we didn't know if we were going to come back or not come back. And, and literally we were never all together again, you know, and it was just, it's just such a weird, it was such a weird time and a weird feeling that, uh, there, like you said, there's no closure on it. Yeah. So. That, uh, that makes it tough on top of the fact that now that you're, you know, taking this great opportunity an opportunity to go up to Fargo, um, can't find a house or anywhere to live. It's crazy. And you got to try to navigate a little bit of a pandemic. Are we going to play? Are we not? Um, and so take us a little bit on, on that journey. One, you know, how that opportunity came available for you and then, you know, trying to figure out that transition. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'd known Dave, um, you know, our head coach here and I'd reached out to him when I heard that there was a job open and, um, you know, had heard kind of from some other people that, you know, maybe he already had somebody in mind and or a couple guys in mind and so I thought um you know probably not something that's going to be an opportunity for me and you know literally two three days later it's a Sunday afternoon and I'm out you know playing baseball in the yard with my boys in Kansas City and and Dave calls me and we have a long conversation and then uh you know he wants me to talk to my wife and and we have another conversation the next day and and then you know literally like the next day he offers me the job and it just 
it worked out. It's been a great move for, for our family. Fargo is a really, really cool city, really, you know, great place. Uh, I think NDSU is a, a unique place. Um, it's a place where there's expectations and, you know, standards, but also you, you have all the resources and things you need here to be successful. And it's, it's been a great move, you know, both, you know, personally and professionally for, for us and, and our family. So the wife and kids stay in Kansas city when you were up in Boone? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't start. Um, I didn't start until like the second week of August and my kids were starting school in Kansas city. And so we put our house on the market and like, it didn't sell right away. And so uh, I stayed in a dorm on campus at uh, at DMAC for the season. And I guess looking back now, like it was, it was hard uh, during that time. It, It did give me more time, I guess, to, figure some things out as a first time head coach, um, without my family there, but, you know, missing time with my, my kids, my wife and my kids was, was hard. But then looking back, like when, when COVID happened and all of a sudden in March, you know, uh, I'm back in Kansas city campus is closed down. And then, you know, this, this new job presents itself. It w- would have been a move. And whenever we sold our house and there would have been another move. So, it ended up working out, I guess, kind of in a way. Um, but yeah, it's you think about that from from a dad perspective and being away from the kids is just extremely difficult, um, especially for an extended amount of time. But you also think about that as from a parent and all the responsibilities that you have and to be able to be, you know, a, a man, a mature, a man and be able to live like with the guys and interact in a short amount of time, like you'd be able, you get so much more done. Like, I just think about that all the time being like, you know how much I could get done and how much more oh, yeah. accountability I could put on these players. If I, this was my only focus. And no so doubt. there definitely has to be a big part of that. That's like, you know what, we got so much done in that one year I was there because, because of this. Oh yeah. It, it was, uh, it, there was a lot of extra time where, you know, I could sit in the office at night and, you know, watch some extra film and, you know, have, uh, you know, tweak our game plan or, do, you know, do a lot of extra things like that, that maybe if the fam was there, I probably would have uh, had some more balance that way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. not a lot of long-term, that's not a long-term plan because like you said, no you got to yeah. be able to have a little bit of that balance. Um and so, so real quick, I mean, while we're talking about DMAC, uh, obviously William Penn holding strong, got uh, Coach Sanquist, Blake Sanquist, uh, head coach there now. Um, what, what do you look for? Do you think, Blake, that seems like a really good fit? You, you looking forward to what he's going to be able to do there? Yeah, I think, I think Blake's really good. Um, you know, I kind of got to know Blake, you know, several years back, um, just with the connection to, you know, William Penn and, and I always kind of thought like he was a young kind of up and coming guy that I thought would be really good. Um, you know, when that, when that DMAC job came open and he was able to get that job, I just thought it was a really good fit. Uh, I think he's a really good basketball coach. I think he's been a huge part of, you know, the success that, uh, that they've had at William Penn over the past several years. I think he's going to do a really good job at DMAC. Yeah, that'll be, uh, we'll be anxious to see um, how things all, all come together for him. And obviously Coach Putz too, uh, you know, and stepping um, out to Indiana State, it'll be interesting to see how he, see how he does and how his career continues to expand. But uh, so what's, so what's next for, what's next for you? So we NCAA tournament run, maybe a sweet 16 and then what, like, are we, is, is head coach, you know, ambitions on the line? Like, what are we kind of thinking uh, a couple of years down? 
down the road? Yeah, you know, I think um, at this point in my career, I'm just, uh, I, I, I think you don't mess with happiness. And I think right now um, we got a really good situation. Um, I've had some other opportunities, you know, even since I've been here that uh, maybe just didn't quite make sense for, for me and for my family. I think when you have a family and you have a different perspective, I think there's just something about, um, you know, being happy, uh, having uh, a good, a good person to work for, um, being in a good culture, working around other guys that you enjoy being around on a daily basis. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy right now here at, at North Dakota state. Um, you know, I'm not saying that if something presents itself down, down the road here that I wouldn't make a move, but I think I would, I would have definitely have interest in trying to be a head coach again. Um, I think it's, it's really hard to get head coaching jobs at any level. And so um, I guess one thing I would tell, you know, probably young coaches is that uh, I've just always tried to star in my role and try to do the best that I can in the job that I'm in. And I think, uh, I think sometimes coaches at this, uh, in this business get caught up in, um, you know, the networking piece of the business. And I think I've always kind of let that just happen um, and not, you know, forced it or, or made that the sole focus. I think, you know, making your job and doing the best you can at your current job, I think ends up ultimately being, you know, something that uh, I think you have success and then that speaks for itself and, and kind of opens those doors for you down the road. Yeah, that's uh, great advice, um, you know, to be able to be where your feet are and, like you said, win your role and, and, and uh, be a star in that and everything kind of comes together. And so um, two, two uh, short, coming on now three years um, up there in Fargo. What do you think uh, so far has been, you know, when we talked to you a couple of years down the road at your head coaching experience, what, what are you going to say uh, was one of the biggest things that you learned? Um, what have you learned so far in your first two years that you really are like, man, like, was there a moment where you're like, yeah, okay, this is good. Like, this is different. I've, I've been a lot of places, but this is, this is what I've taken either from a staff or a player or a situation. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think Dave, uh, my boss, Dave Richmond, I think he's done a heck of a job. I think he's does a great job of uh, he's built a culture and I know that's kind of a buzzword that's used, but he's built a culture that, um, you know, is, is a culture of success. Um, I think he's, he does a great job of, uh, and I think it's really hard, especially at the division one level for head coaches to build, uh, meaningful relationships with their players. I think sometimes it'll be, it'll feel business-like, it'll feel surface level. And I think he's, he does a great job of uh, building relationships with his guys. Um, you know, I, I, I've just learned another different way to play. You know, so we do some different things defensively. Uh, you know, our offense is kind of the last two years has been unique of, you know, anything that I've done before. I think this year will be a little different offensively, but like just little things like that, picking up, uh, you know, different things, different ways to do things and continuing to try to learn and grow in the profession. I think, you know, when you maybe are young in the profession, you kind of start figure a couple things out and you start to think, oh yeah, you know, I got this figured out. And I think the longer you're in the profession, you kind of feel like the more you know, you feel like the less you know. And so I think that's something, you know, for coaches at all levels to just try to continue to 
continue to learn and grow and improve and, and, you know, be innovative and figure out, you know, new, new things to do, new ways to, uh, you know, to help your team win. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so we talked a little bit about recruiting. Um, and so last one, I'll let you, we'll, we'll gotta get to wrap fire to you up, but, um, so you're recruiting these guys I look into the roster. I know you, you guys tend to lean, you got a lot of Minnesota kids. I'm sure kids come over from the cities, kids that know, um, how to handle a winner. Uh, but you also have some, you got a guy, kid from Florida, you got a kid from Louisiana, you got a kid from Texas. I mean, you invite these guys up like the first or second football game of the year. I mean, what's it like <laughs> when these guys get to Fargo? <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, coach kind of, you know, has a, a pretty structured plan in recruiting of, you know, recruiting from the inside out. And, you know, we're really trying to hit hard North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska are kind of our, you know, our, our inside uh, tier of recruiting. And, you know, once you start to kind of progress outside of that, we look for, um, you know, like connections to, to NDSU or to, to Fargo, um, you know, the kid from, uh, the kid from Texas, his mom was a softball uh, assistant coach and he spent, you know, three or four years in Fargo. So there's some familiarity there. Uh, he knows what Fargo, you know, what the weather is like, he knows, you know, um, and understands, you know, NDSU and the culture there. Um, you know, the kid from Louisiana, it's kind of a, just a crazy story where, we're watching games in Indianapolis in July uh, would have been, you know, this previous July and sitting next to a guy and he's like, Oh, are you watching? Are you watching Lance? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not. Who's, who's Lance. And he's like, Oh yeah. He's Lance's uh, Lance has got family that lives in North Dakota. And literally the kid comes up here like six to 10 times a year to see family and, um, and, you know, so there was a connection to North Dakota for us. And, uh, you know, so like that's kind of what we what we look for. Uh, the kid from Florida was a, a late uh, addition right before summer school started a junior college kid. And we had some connection to uh, a former player from here had, you know, played on the same AAU team that he had played on. So just those those types of things, uh, you know, so that there's some sort of connection piece to to NDSU or to Fargo or, or those sorts of things. That's interesting. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously an outsider looking in, but it sound, sounds like a really good plan to me, um, trying to find the kids that uh, that know what an actual winner is, but then connections really, really, really help as well, too. So um, yeah. that's good stuff. Uh, well, um, we like to end our podcast episodes um, here, Coach, with a little section called Rapid Fire. Um, Brian asks you some questions. Uh, got some in here about hoops, some not about hoops, and you just let us know what comes top of your head. All right. Sounds good. All right. First one we always lead with, we talked a little bit about it, but I'll be anxious to hear given all the venues you've played in. What's your favorite visiting gym or arena you've had the opportunity to coach in? Oh, I would, I would say when I was at Drake, it was Wichita state. Um, when I was at UMKC, it was grand Canyon. They got a crazy oh, environment yeah, down there. Yeah. Um, Shoot, when I was at when I was at Providence, like like you said, Madison Square Garden, like that was that was it. That's you know, exactly. that was the one. Um, but you know, that I would say that's probably and then for you know, for us now, probably probably playing the Jackrabbits in Frost Arena. That'll that'll be a, a fun cool one every spot. year. So 
That's yeah. a good one. When you, that- were, uh, when you were um, at Drake, heading, heading to Wichita, being that good, those guys are probably rowdy, real rowdy. It, it was right before they started to be really good, when, uh, my year there. And uh-huh. I think it was like Greg Marshall's maybe like first or second year, and they weren't quite what oh, they yep. ended up Greg being. Mar- yeah, Greg Marshall's first year. I, I don't I don't think they were very good. I think they actually played in the play-in game in the Missouri Valley Tournament. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember leaving the shoot around, and there was already – and it was cold out. And there was, like, students, like, wrapped halfway around the building. And then we <laughs> – we get there like, you know, hour and 45 minutes before the game. And mm-hmm. I remember walking down the tunnel. The tunnel was covered. Yeah. And two of our guys were kind of ahead of me. And they walked out. And literally, the students are already there. And they're just start insults, <laughs> like hurling insults. It was crazy. <laughs> that place is nuts. Cold oh, yeah. is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Was, was Thunder Dan at um, Grand Canyon when you were there? Without a yeah, bad? he was. He yeah. was. That's funny. That's, uh, That's I don't know if you've seen the videos or anything of that on social media, but that place is a heck of a environment down there. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, Adam, did you and I play there? Was that last year or year before? You and I, I think, played down there. One of the last two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen their games before, but I remember watching that game and yeah, just all of the um, the hype around it and just the energy, which is is a lot of fun. That's that's a good one. Um, so we talked a little bit about this earlier too, with your boys, but, uh, what's your all time favorite basketball shoe? Um, Concord 11, Jordan 11. Mm, I, I figured you're going to say the 11, but I didn't know. (laughs) I did. You got your boys, the cool grays last Christmas thing. Oh yeah. Those, yep, that, I did. <laughs> that's a winner right there. Tossed me an arm and a leg, but I did. Hey, course, yeah. You, they skip, they I think we got to skip next Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, every every other year, boys, you can wear the ones from last year. Pass them down. No doubt. Um, and didn't didn't Tyler have? Didn't he have a Concord or not a Concord? But he had an eleven birthday cake or something, right? He yeah, had, he uh, did. The, he had a, the, like a blue and blue and red one, I think, like Giants colors when he was with yeah. the Giants. Yeah, that's awesome. The ultimate, the ultimate sneaker head there. He had the, oh, he yeah. had them all. So he did too. Yep. <laughs> um, best pizza in Iowa. Who's got the best? You've traveled around. You've done a lot of recruiting. Pizzas. I mean, every Hooper. It's quick. It's easy. It's fun. It's good. Like, who's got the best pizza? You know, in my hometown, it was Breddo. Yeah. Breddo pizza was like the Great best. Spot. Yeah. Uh, but like I'm driving back from a recruiting trip the other day from from Iowa actually and and like I'm trying to find a Casey's that has like pizza <laughs> Casey's pizza is like legit pretty good <laughs> oh it yeah I mean yeah it, I, it feels like it's a it's a little bit um a little bit AU coach maybe overhyped a little bit um to a certain level and I guess my only gripe with it is it's just wildly inconsistent Cause like you'll yeah. have one and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. This is really good. And then you catch one and you're like, man, come on, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like where's, you. we need to, where's the quality control at here. We need yeah, to make exactly. sure that these, these, these slices are always the same. Um, all right. What's the, uh, what's the coldest day so far since you've been in Fargo? What do you remember? We got, how, how cold did it get? Oh man negative 36 38 somewhere in there like it i think the first winter i got here i bought a snow blower and i used it only one time it wasn't too bad and i was like why did i buy this thing and then this last winter 
it started snowing in October and it was like three inches, two inches, five inches. Like it just didn't stop. And I was like, Oh, I know. And then you just have like these, like the winter will be okay. And it'll feel like comparable to Iowa, but then all of a sudden you'll have like a seven to 10 day window where it will just get like bitter cold and the wind blows. Like and there's nothing, it's just flat and there's nothing to stop it. Yeah. Well, and I got to imagine, cause even, uh, my parents two hours north in Algona I mean like they get snow and they have it all year where you know yeah. Des Moines Oskaloosa I mean obviously we'll get snow and it'll melt you know we'll, we won't have the same snow all year but it's like you know you get into February and you look down the driveway and you can see the snowfall from early December and the one from yeah. January and it's just like layers of snow just like, it's on like 40 time. 50 inches tall <laughs> on the side of your driveway yeah it's, it can't melt it some of it's nasty yeah it's just like yeah, geez, no that's uh it's a different uh different world that's for sure Yep. um all right who's your all-time starting five? Oh, are we talking college are we talking nba you can do whatever. i'm not as much an nba guy as i am a college guy but there's just so many great college players like i don't even know where i could begin like i mean mj mj's there um man just like in the time i i grew up like Shaq uh was just such a unique like player um you know, Tim Duncan, um, man, I'm trying to think. So Maybe who's your point guard? Larry Bird. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, two, so your two so point guards, yeah. Magic, and then, so you'd have like, so that puts Bird at the three, though. That would be, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So. We're going, we're big lineup. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Coach that's. Big guys. But Bird can, Bird can play the three. You're good there. So. Mm um favorite sports movie oh um man i got three kids i don't watch movies you gotta think i can't movie. even think of the last movie i watched <laughs> there had to uh, have been there had i mean hoosiers one. like yep. hoosiers like growing up on hoosiers or pistol pete like yep, know, some so classics good. like that yep those are good and but Hoosiers is the exact reason why we had to change that because we used to have a basketball movie and everyone just defaulted to Hoosiers and it's like sports movie we I mean we've had we've had some remember the Titans we've had a Seabiscuit I think even in there yeah I think Steve Johnson said Seabiscuit um does Adam and I get an opportunity to come up to Fargo and catch a game where do we uh where do we got to go and grab something to eat before we head over to the stadium Oh, you gotta you gotta come and go to uh, breakfast at the Shack on Broadway. It's a little hole in the wall spot, but really good. That's where we're, uh, all right where we go quite often. But there's some pretty good spots. Um, so my wife and I we like the Mexican place Plaza Azteca, um, but uh, there's pretty good variety here in Fargo. That's good. We like it. Got those. Got them down. We got a list. We got a good list going from all the interviews we've had. Um, nice. I forgot. To, I was going to ask you with the movie. So have you watched the movie Fargo then or no? Or what's the I've not watched it, but Man. I've heard like everybody thinks like <laughs> that's Fargo. That's what yeah. you know, everybody thinks. So I, I need to watch it. Yeah, I, I can put it on my list. I will admit I've never seen it in its entirety, but I've watched enough when it's been on tv to get an idea of what's going on and and i will admit that's the yeah that's what i think of when i hear fargo so um all right coach last one uh we'll get you out of here we appreciate your time but uh, what would you say is the best thing about having the opportunity 
uh, to be on staff at NDSU. The best thing to uh, about uh, the opportunity of being on staff at NDSU, I think, um, I've, I've I've been to a lot of different places, and I think in you know like like I said, different roles, different positions, and I kind of always felt like I was maybe looking for the you know, at some point while I was there, I was looking, you know, what's the next opportunity going to be? And I think NDSU is a place where I feel like pretty happy about being and um, love our staff. I love the culture. I love our players. I love uh, the the city of Fargo, how they support uh, NDSU, the university, the men's basketball program. Um, there's just a lot of really good things about being here and uh, I'm, I'm really happy that I have the opportunity to be here. That's great. Well, we're, we're excited about the opportunity for you, um, your team and your staff. We'll definitely be following along with the journey um, as you guys continue to move through. We're excited uh, for what you guys have in store and we'll be following and we appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with us and reminisce a little bit tonight. Yeah, if, uh, if you guys ever come up to Fargo for a game, let me know and get you up here for a game. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know it was only six hours, so that's that's that, that's a little bit closer than what I thought. Yeah, there so, you go. Uh, so it might be more of a possibility now. But uh, as For Brian sure. said, coach, it was, it was great to talk to you. Great to learn a little bit more about your background um, and meet you actually. So um, appreciate your time and best of luck this upcoming season. Um, and go Bison. Yeah, appreciate it.